All right. Somebody has to explain to me the three seashell thing because I've had enough. Let's go. You're not going to sit here and beat me over my head with ambiguity. I, I don't care. Whatever. It's the tea, I promise. Hey, welcome to the White Rabbit Podcast. I'm your host, Freeman Actual. Welcome. Started off with uh, giving some shouts out to my father's house chapel over at Heinerberg. Come on in, 1100 hours. Can't wait. We just, well, not we, but there's a new symbol emblem, symbol, there's a new logo for the church, and it's pretty cool. Um, would like to point all of that to Chaplain Elder's vision and wisdom through having it tweaked and peaked for so long, but he's finally proud of a product that can speak out to it. But come out and check us out. Come share some of that gospel, the good news, you know? And then when you're not doing that, you can come down and hang out with Chris and Melissa Stevenson, Wiesbaden Hospitality Ministry. You want to find out more? Cadence.org forward slash Stevenson. Cadence.org forward slash Wiesbaden or Facebook.com forward slash The Stevenson Mission. They are partnering with my father's house. They're going to have your first Friday gathering every first Friday, like I just said, at the Clay Chapel, one post. Uh, The other Fridays are being shared over at the Summit House. Get connected, reach out. Single uh, soldiers, airmen, marine, the whole nine yards. Show up. Married couples, whatever couples, however couple you want to be. Come on down. One last uh, acknowledgement and shout out to my buddy Jack Bennett, starting up the first chapter of the F3 Nation in Wiesbaden. Congrats to him. More to follow on that. Another website to put out. But in the meantime, let's go. Father, thank you for allowing us to be a part of this glorious Friday. We thank you for your unwavering love and mercy. For those who conquered the weak, let God give them thanks to you. For those still in a dry season, Lord, be close with them. Remind them of your love. Let the Holy Spirit lift their hearts to encourage them to push on in your name. As we explore biblical moments, I pray you provide the message you intended to. Reach out to those, Father. Thank you. Thank you so much, God. In your name, amen. With that being said, give me one moment to pull up my notes here. Um, So I did this paper. And I had to pick the top 10 biblical moments to me. And I'm going to start from the beginning. No pun intended, but it might be intended. I'm going to go from 1 to 10 without ranking them and like this is the most important and that's the most. I'm just giving you to me, Marcus's 
10 moments in biblical literature, historical, all the things that happened. The, these are my 10. And then I'm going to try to explain a little bit down at the bottom. But I think that this is important because we have to spend more time in word, in scripture. We have to know the, the aspects of this. In order for us to be educated enough to speak on this and to share the gospel and to have the confidence with someone, you know, you, you have to be a master at your craft. You have to be a disciple. And I know that I was just talking to a chaplain elder about this, and we were discussing discipleship and what, or what he called the, the great omission. And I was looking and thinking about this, and what... What would really need to happen to type of, to kind of have a, a unified SOP, pardon me, I'm pouring the tea, for us to get on board, move forward. And I think that without drawing any type of, you know, crazy st thoughts or, you know, nuanced things or things that you, you think traditional when I say the word catechesis. I think we need to bring that back or have some form of catechesis that we we're, we're, we're building and we're developing and we are pushing out a more equipped disciple. Reach, teach, restore, Release. How can we teach? How can we restore without emboldening them? It's kind of hard to do that. So here are my 10 biblical moments, and I want to share this with you. Number one, starting at creation. So God is the father designer of all, right? God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit were there before the beginning. The Holy Trinity created everything in its existence. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. It is here that we see God's perfection through his masterful work. He creates the earth for man, a creature created also by God, but in his image. That's found in Genesis 1.1. Next I go to number two is the fall of man through weakness. God created Adam and Eve in his image. God created Adam in the wilderness and Eve in the garden of Eden. It is here that the serpent convinces Eve to eat of the fruit who then convinces Adam to eat of the same fruit. The woman that saw the fruit of the tree for good, for food, and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. God questions Adam's why both Eve and Adam ate the fruit God forbid Adam to eat. They are both punished for disobeying God and banished from the Eden from ever. That's found in Genesis 3, 6. Give me one second. This tea is delicious. 
sensational. <laughs> uh, number three, Abraham in God's acceptance of faith. God provides a child to Sarah when it was believed the possibility of her having another child was fruitless. Sarah had faith that God would deliver, and he did. The Bible says, now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Abraham displays his faithfulness to God by obeying. There's so many, there's so many large bits and nuggets of just goodness and truth that is throughout this. I'm having a hard time to stop myself, but I really want to repeat that. <clears throat> Abraham displays his faithfulness to God by obeying. That's heavy. That's very heavy. But foreshadowing the sacrifice of King Jesus, God instructs Abraham to kill his only son Isaac and sacrifice as a burnt offering to the God, to, to God, to the God. Am I reading a book about the Egyptians? <clears throat> Moments before Abraham is about to kill his son, an angel appears and stops Abraham and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the critic cities of their enemies and through your offspring. All nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me and I'm not wearing my glasses. That's found in Genesis 21. Not the glasses part. We move to four. Moses and the revelation of God is holy. God is introduced to Moses on a personal level as God speaks with Moses. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. This moment is the catalyst of the liberation of God's chosen people by God through Moses. Which leads me to five. Uh, that could be found in Exodus 3, 5, but moving forward. Israel and the revelation of God as faithful to his people. God is revealed to be faithful to his people and many covenants between the people of Israel and God. God promised deliverance from the Pharaoh of Egypt and to lead them to a promised land. Throughout the many covenants the people of Israel share with God, all that he asks for is obedience. All that he asks for, excuse me, asks for is Obedience, obey. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants, 
Joshua is reflecting on the promise fulfilled by God to his people, revealing God's faithfulness. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil, and cities you did not build, and you live in them and eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. That sounds a lot like you received without pay, therefore go and go forth and provide without receiving pay. That's beautiful. Number also that can be found in First Samuel thirteen fourteen. Don't ask me the quote that I just butchered, but I tried to draw from memory, but it failed. Seven, coming to the Lamb, coming of the Lamb. The name Jesus is never mentioned in the Old Testament. His name isn't mentioned until Mark 1.1. But the coming of the Messiah of man is foreshadowed in the Old Testament many times. I will raise up for them a prophet like you among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command him. I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name. Deuteronomy 18, 18. Number eight, the cross sacrifice. The crucifixion of, of Jesus fulfills the payment of admission into eternal life for all of humanity, regardless of their inherently sinful nature. Jesus gave the ultimate sacrifice for all that believed in him and followed his teachings. He himself bore our sins and his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. That is a very beautiful, beautiful piece of scripture here. And I, it, it, it just shows multiple dualities of life and death and Jesus taking, paying the payment that we should have paid and through his wounds, we have been healed. That is beautiful. I'll read it again. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Man, that's, amen. That's getting me fired up. First Peter 2, 24. I love this. <laughs> this is great. Number nine. Return of the king. Followers of Christ Jesus. Witness the victory of God when Jesus conquers death, defeating the enemy forever. As he foretold, Christ came back from the death after three days. The Bible says, he's not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. Jesus meets with his disciples at the resurrection to charge them with the great commission to continue his teachings until he returns again. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That is found in Matthew 28, 6, 7, and Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And then lastly, number 10, the restoration of all things. The last event that is yet to be fulfilled, but the promise of the return of Jesus will be fulfilled on a day not even King Jesus knows. God will deliver judgment on all through the restoration of everything in the heavens and earth. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. Acts 3.21 Now, the importance of understanding the Bible in its entirety is paramount to comprehending the meta-narratives that lie therein. The, the, the Trinitarian presence that created everything to include the heavens and the earth was for his greatest love in creation, man. But in God's perfect design of everything, he declares that it is good, but not perfect. The perfect plan for the redemption of humanity was already in place before our inherent weakness led us to our fall as sinners. The meta-narrative reveals that God is the creator of all, remains holy in the presence of sinful, <coughs> sorry, it's a good take, and disobedient humanity, loves humanity even after disobedience, is faithful to humanity after disobedience, redeems humanity for their sinfulness and disobedience, and will restore everything as he intended despite humanity's flawed nature. That's good. The restoration started with God through Jesus. As I said before, although the name Jesus isn't mentioned until the New Testament, the coming of Christ was foreshadowed throughout the Old Testament. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 1, is the first appearance of the name Jesus. It says, Jesus, a man in God, only in one body, born of virgin birth, lived the perfect life and was sent by God to pay the ultimate price for sin. He went to the cross. Jesus, the perfect human, paid the cost of sin through torture, then death. He was buried and resurrected in three days, defeating death to provide eternal life for all that choose him. The return of Jesus is unknown even to him, known by the Lord only. And upon that day and time, all will be restored, and judgment will be handed down. These events are a part of many other major events that encompass the, the meta-narrative of the Bible. <clears throat> each of their events carry great significance. With each event, there is a, a history, a literature, and then a theology that must be understood to interpret exegetically. 
these significant events are tethered to each other in an unfathomed number of orders. Uh, for example, the beginning of the Gospel of John is, is mirrored to the, to the beginning of the book of Genesis. John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. This revelation reveals that Jesus was with God in the beginning along with the Holy Spirit. This information confirms that the Trinitarian God was and is forever. It validates that Jesus wasn't created when he was sent to earth. He was with God and the Holy Spirit. The events are what provide us strength. The knowledge of the Bible provides us everlasting life to those who comprehend its writings. All of this is vital to establish, build, and maintain a close and personal relationship with God. Close and personal relationships with God through his teachings of his word is essential in obeying the final commandment of Jesus until he returns to restore all. We are to baptize every nation in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teach them to teach the exegetic good news. I'm going to go back to all of this is vital to establish, build, and maintain a close and personal relationship with God, but I think that we have to also build and maintain a close and personal relationship with those who we are encountering. With those that we see every day. I know that I talked about, you know, establishing a Christly um, moral character. That starts within. That starts within. But we, we can't even begin to reach out until we reach inwards into our hearts. That's the, where the relationship happens between you and God. That's where you're practicing all of those moral character attributes that defines integrity. And it's where you, through your practice of integrity with your walk with God, is where it starts to shine out. People see that in you. It's, it's supposed to spread from you to your, your closest circle. I've said this before. I really have, and I believe it to be true. That's why I'm saying it again. So this is one of those intrinsic things, and it works outwards. It's you and your immediate family, and then your immediate family in the church and the congregation. And then from the congregation, it, it bleeds out into your neighborhood. Then it bleeds out into the, into the communities. This is how this works. And I know that we have to... <clears throat> the Bible says we're to baptize every nation in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teach them to teach the exegetic good news and teach them to teach. That is, to me, catechesis, right? It's important because that is the foundation of discipleship. 
This is not a brow beating session. This is me all fired up off the tea. This black Canada is delish. And, um, you know, the spirit is really touching me right now. And I think this is a great thing that we kind of need to focus on. But that is what we have for the day. Almighty, <clears throat> King of Kings, bless these soldiers, sailors, marines, airmen, and their families. As they take some time away from work, give them rest and restoration of spirit, God. Bring their families closer to love harder, God. Be with their children here in Wiesbaden. Bless them, God. Let them dream of you in your embrace. Let them know you. Reveal yourself to them. Be with the spouses, the supporters, the cornerstone of the family. Not because I am a spouse and a cornerstone, but I am. Give them relief, God, what is heavy on them, Father. Lord, be with those that yearn for you. Be with those that seek you in the darkness, Father. Rain upon them loving light. Let them know peace. Let them know your son. We pray all of this in your eternal name. Amen. That's it. That's the show. I want to wish everyone a great weekend. I want you guys to go out there and take some time. I know they have that, um, what is that? That Oktoberfest happening downtown. It looked pretty cool and I was running past that. I want you guys to send me your prayer requests at Chase Him Podcasts at Gmail. That's Chase Him Podcast at Gmail. Send me all of your prayer requests. Send me all of your testimony. I want it all so I can share. How do you know? you know, what needs to be heard until we hear it. You understand? But I want to wish all of you guys <clears throat> blessings as you move forward from your hardworking Friday. You deserve it. And as per usual, I need you guys to stay sharp. I need you guys to stay wolf-like. And I need you guys to chase God consistently. God bless you.